a land warning has been issued for Typhoon Saola. The storm's strongest effects will be felt Wednesday and Thursday. The east coast and mountainous regions in the south are set to see heavy localized downpours. Saola is on the brink of becoming a severe typhoon as it tracks towards Taiwan. Another typhoon, Haikui, is currently located about 1,450 kilometers away. Forecasters say the two storms are not close enough to each other to interact and influence each other's trajectories. Leaders of five southern cities and counties converged in Tainan on Tuesday for a forum on regional development. At Tainan's Shalun Green Energy Technology Demonstration Site, the local heads spoke on the future of the South, as shaped by technological innovation, advanced manufacturing processes, and smart living. Five local leaders strike a pose at a forum on southern Taiwan's high-tech future. Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Qimai says that already, the world's most comprehensive semiconductor hub is here at the so-called Southern Semiconductor S-Corridor. I believe that, whether it's with advanced manufacturing or high-level packaging here in Kaohsiung, Tainan and Jiayi and so on, through our Southern Governance Platform, we can offer ample administrative assistance that companies need for industrial exchanges. The mayor shared his experience in smart city governance in dealing with matters such as health in metropolitan areas and big data analysis. He says his city is working to establish a healthcare business hub supported by generative artificial intelligence. Meanwhile, Tainan Mayor Huang Weizhe said that in the first quarter of 2023, the output value of Southern Taiwan Science Park surpassed that of Shinju Science Park and the Central Taiwan Science Park. He said this growth was attracting many young adults to a city. The Q1 output value of the Tainan Science Park reached 440 billion NT. That's more than Shinju Science Park's output value of 400 billion NT and Central Taiwan Science Park's 290 billion NT. This is a reflection of the rise of the South. It is undeniable proof of Southern Taiwan's development. Historically, Thai Sugar has played many different roles. Now it is collaborating in big national infrastructure projects, such as becoming an industrial park. Jiayi County Commissioner Ong Zhang Liang, Penghu Commissioner Cheng Guangfu, and Pingdong Deputy Commissioner Huang Guorong also spoke on their respective government's experiences in industrial development. They left forum participants with deep impressions about the South's high-tech future. Honghai founder Terry Goh has drawn the ire of Beijing with his presidential run. A day after announcing his bid, Chinese state media Global Times reacted on its front page. It said that Goh was, quote, bringing pain to his friends and joy to his enemies. According to a Taiwanese political commentator, the CCP is saying it wants pan-blue politicians to work together against the DPP rather than run as independents. Mm. This means the CCP wants the opposition to consolidate. So if anyone decides to run as an independent, the CCP isn't going to be pleased. With these harsh words, the CCP is just making its position clear. It wants to win this round. Why are the three people all of a sudden responding to calls for integration, or at least pretending to? I think there are external forces at play. The Global Times website also shared footage of Goh's interaction with a Singaporean reporter. The reporter asked Goh if he was running for president so that his rivals would choose him for VP. Goh accused the reporter of trying to trap him with the question saying the reporter had picked up bad journalistic habits in Taiwan. 
Yoshiyuki Ogasawara, a Japanese scholar, says the Global Times deliberately chose to share this footage as part of a careful and considered strategy. Descendants of the KMT's lost army are making a plea for Taiwan citizenship. During the Chinese Civil War, a group of KMT soldiers was forced to retreat to Myanmar. Some of their stateless descendants eventually made their way to Taiwan, where many have lived without residency rights, health insurance, or the right to work. At a press conference on Tuesday, about 30 people urged the government to legalize their status and allow them to truly come home. More than 30 people chant slogans about wanting to return home. They are the descendants and spouses of KMT soldiers who fled to Myanmar during the Chinese Civil War. Before I obtained my alien resident certificate, every step I took in this world over the past 35 years was referred to as illegal. I sought help from many government agencies, so, so many. And finally, I got an ARC, and I can finally and proudly say I am officially part of the ROC Taiwan. Yang Fajun shows off his ARC, which he obtained by putting his life on the line. I swam across from Xiamen. I risked my life. It took 16 hours of swimming and paddling to reach Jinmen. A stateless person who entered Taiwan illegally, Yang was afraid of falling sick, fearing that hospitals would refuse him. He now has an ARC, but others haven't been so lucky. There is one 83-year-old woman who must make frequent trips between Myanmar and Taiwan because she doesn't have residency rights. She applies for a visitor's visa that lasts six months. Then she has to go back to apply for a new visa, which lets her be here again for another six months, back and forth all the time. My father's passion for Taiwan surpassed everything, so he sent all of his children to study in Taiwan. What's sad is that he never had the chance to do so. This other man choked back tears as he spoke about his father, who's been unable to reside in Taiwan legally for 13 years. He says his father and grandfather made many sacrifices for Taiwan, but never received the treatment or care they deserve. He says they want to come to Taiwan, but can't. That's why he contacted DPP lawmaker Tang Huizhen for assistance. The Nationality Act only applies to first-degree relatives, that is, parents and children. If a lot of time has gone by, if the father is long dead in a war, then it's harder to establish national identity. This land we call Taiwan is a place for ethnic Chinese people to live. Why not give them another chance at life? The group hopes the government can grant them citizenship to end the stateless limbo they're currently in. Taipei Hospital has opened an advanced rehabilitation room where patients can recover their capacities after illness or injury. The room is a big upgrade for the physiatry department, equipped with all the latest cutting-edge technology. Patients can use a powered exoskeleton to help them stand and walk. They can train muscles with AI analytics, and they can, get, they can even get the most up-to-date analysis of functional movements like their walking style. Doctors and therapists hope the new facilities will cut their workload while helping patients recover their capacities better than ever before. With the help of a therapist, a patient puts on equipment that will help with her rehabilitation. 
Ms. Wu has recurrent myelitis, which creates so much pain in her legs she can't stand. She normally uses a wheelchair, but with this robotic exoskeleton and the support of this therapist, she's begun to stand up again. When I trained alone before, I didn't have any orientation and it wasn't efficient. Now with this equipment and intervention, I can clearly feel that my training is obviously efficient and I can feel progress, which makes me very happy. A patient grasps the joystick and moves it from side to side as if playing a racing game. This upper body training robot makes rehab fun as well as more effective. Taipei Hospital has acquired many smart technologies like this for its new advanced rehabilitation room, where patients can reach their rehab goals faster. This exercise of raising the legs might look simple. But it's easy to get it slightly wrong by yourself, and then your hard work has much less fruit. It's more efficient using these training devices and an app. We have a lot of patients and not many therapists. For certain set angles, if you look at it with the naked eye, it doesn't really work and you can't give the patient instant biofeedback. But you can do that with smart rehab. Alongside rehabilitation, gait assessment systems use AI to assess a patient's walk and their risk of falling, and offer treatment suggestions. These next-generation technologies are not just improving patients' lives, they're also reducing the workload of therapists and doctors. The fall semester is about to begin, but some schools still can't find substitute teachers. It's so hard to find them that at some schools, gym teachers might end up having to teach Chinese lessons. According to a teacher's union, the shortage is due to long-standing issues with the benefits and working conditions of substitute teachers. With school to start the next day, many faculty are already in their classrooms preparing lessons. But some schools still haven't hired enough substitute teachers. There are many schools, especially in rural areas, that are having trouble finding teachers. We had thought that, well, if it keeps being this hard, then we administrative staff will have to work as substitute teachers. Amid the sub-shortage, some schools are considering asking math and phys ed teachers to teach Chinese lessons. Some may even ask parents to fill in. There are two solutions. One is to recruit other faculty members, and this includes administrative staff. Or the school can have existing substitute teachers take on more lessons. As a last resort, you might have the homeroom teacher deal with a particular lesson for that homeroom. But these are all short-term fixes and they're not good for overall education quality. For the sake of a balanced workload and preserving the rights of the children, we must urgently resolve this issue. Substitute teachers say their work entails yearly contracts, making young teachers unwilling to enter the field. Subs are also saddled with administrative duties that pile on the stress. Another major issue is salary discrimination among substitute teachers. Subs with a college degree are placed on one of three pay grades based on whether they have a teacher certificate and completed all education credits. But subs with a master's degree don't need a teacher certificate. They're automatically placed on a single pay grade, starting at 245 NT an hour. 
If you look at the food and beverage sector, even the starting wage is higher than what substitute teachers receive. Another reason people don't want to be subs is that if you choose that as a career, then of course it's supposed to be a long term job for you. But substitute teacher contracts are fixed term. That is to say, you have a job this year, but it's unclear if you'll have one next year. The shortage is severe even in metropolitan areas. I believe that the K 12 Education Administration needs to carefully assess how to weather this period of time, how to secure educational manpower, and how to optimize the benefits structure for substitute teachers. Only when a sound, comprehensive system is established can we resolve issues related to the declining birth rate and consequent inability to create full time positions. Only when there is a comprehensive system for subs can we fundamentally treat the problem. To fill the sub shortage and ensure equal educational access, the education ministry must not leave the problem for local governments to solve, the union leader said. She called for fair treatment of subs to safeguard students' right to education. The National Palace Museum has launched a limited edition on bare brick figurine in collaboration with Medicom Toy Corporation. The statuette features the famous Chinese painting along the river during the Qingming Festival. 100 sets sold out in minutes after fans waited in line for as long as two days. Meet the newest bear brick figurine. It features scenes from along the river during Qingming Festival, from vendors bustling about to locals on a waterfront stroll. It's a limited edition launched in collaboration with the National Palace Museum. The first person to get one stood in line for two days. When I saw the news, I got very curious. I've been buying these bears anyway, so when I saw that the National Palace Museum was selling them too, I came over. I've stayed alert and awake all this time. I got in line at 9 a.m. yesterday, and I've been here since. It's been more than 24 hours. This is the first such event held by the National Palace Museum, so we're all here to help make it great. The photo shows people continuing to wait outside the museum after it had closed for the day. Only 100 bare brick sets were up for grabs, each with a 7cm and a 28cm figurine. They sold out in minutes. The bear features the rainbow bridge section of the Qing Court version of Along the River during the Qingming Festival. If you look at the original painting, the characters in it can't be seen very clearly, so through a transfer printing technique, we got them to be printed more vividly on the bare brick. We have collaborated with fine art museums before, so when the National Palace Museum contacted us, I was very happy. I thought, finally. The National Palace Museum's biggest challenge after the pandemic has been bringing visitors back. With this new collaboration with the trendy bare brick brand, it hopes to make ancient art relevant to the younger set. The devices we use have changed dramatically in the last decade. It seems like every day there is a new use for your phone. Most of us watch movies and series on our phones or tablets now. But manufacturers or traditional TVs are not willing to give up yet. Today, we'll take a look at how the TV industry is fighting back against the onslaught of smaller screens. TVs are getting bigger and bigger and packing in even more impressive visuals. Retailers say that the sales of low-priced TVs are dropping, but there's still a market for a big screen. I want to see this. 
Connect your TV screen to the internet and you can stream all the latest movies and series. Of course, you can watch them on a phone or laptop too. But influencer Zami Ding says she still prefers a TV. The big screen and superior audio and visuals make the scene more immersive. I'm quite used to watching on my phone or my computer, but I think for watching dramas, you really want a TV. When you watch the TV together, you have more of a feeling of discussing it together or being part of it. Connection to the internet is standard for TVs now, as manufacturers work to keep the box relevant. With visuals a priority, ever bigger and slimmer screens are always coming out. This TV is 77 inches, but just 4 millimeters thick. The new QD OLED screens have better image quality, with each pixel emitting light, increasing the contrast and resolution. Each TV is a bit like a small computer now. You can use streaming apps. Basically, all of them can be downloaded. Sales of low- and mid-level quality TVs have dropped quite a lot because their unique qualities aren't so obvious anymore. They've dropped by 20 to 30 percent. This TV dealer thinks that the development of the TV market now is all about high-ticket products, screens of 75 inches or more, OLED quality, and AI chips handling the tiniest details of the film and putting out 3D sound effects. An immersive at-home experience is one thing a TV can provide that a mobile phone never will. Let's meet one of the hidden giants of Taiwan's music industry. You may not know his name, but you've probably heard a song he wrote or contributed to. Martin Musselbach, also known as Musa, is a prodigious composer, pianist, and music producer from Argentina. His famous collaborators includes Malaysian Chinese pop sensation Gary Chow. But Musa also works with lesser-known indie acts and even with elementary school bands. His Argentine roots shine through in his gripping live performances. Let's catch him at a show to learn more. Now brisk and capricious, now sweeping and generous, Martin Musa's piano playing takes us back to his homeland Argentina and the golden age of tango. It's about 20,000, 19,000 kilometers from here to Argentina. It takes at least 29 hours by plane, so it's a long way. And not just geographically, it's quite far culturally too. So tonight, I want to feel that you've flown to the land where I was born. Argentina is the birthplace of tango. Musa has no formal training in music theory, but he seems to have music in his DNA. He was soon creating rousing songs, composing, performing, and leading bands. His work has received numerous nominations for Golden Indie and Golden Melody Awards. I came to Taiwan 12 years ago. Taiwan's music culture has changed a lot since then. What's quite obvious is a separation between pop and indie music. When I started, I worked more with pop music, people like Gary Chow and Alin. Now, I more often work with indie musicians. Musa's commitment and passion have found him many fans and collaborators in his adopted home. Through a fusion of different cultures and the tests of time, he's carved out a hugely successful career on the other side of the world from his birthplace. And as a new Taiwanese artist, he supported hundreds of other Taiwanese musicians to make their dreams come true. The Kanner Foundation of Taiwan is a non-profit organization that supports adults with classic autism, also known as Kanner's Syndrome. 
The foundation helps autistic adults learn work skills and social skills, and every year it sells mid-autumn gift boxes packed with homemade treats. But sales have been on the decline amid the pandemic, and this year order numbers have seen a drop of 30 percent. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to the foundation to find out more. Students are hard at work on packaging. They fold boxes, put stickers on them, and tie them with strings to make a mid-autumn festival gift box full of tasty treats. In the past few years, sales for the foundation's mid-autumn festival gift boxes have plummeted amid the pandemic, and it seems to be getting worse. This year, the foundation has received 30% fewer orders compared to the same time last year. Compared with the same period last year, orders for mid-autumn festival gift boxes are much lower, a drop of about 30 percent. For now, our students would be able to take on more orders, which are all handmade by them. I hope everyone will place more orders with us to give them more job opportunities. The Kanner Foundation of Taiwan was founded by Regina Peng in 2004 to help people with autism like her son, who is now 40 years old. The foundation supports autistic adults aged 18 to 40, teaching them not just professional skills like producing pastries, but also social skills. The foundation is currently building a complex in Taoyuan's Longtan district so that people with autism can live there with their families and go to work. When the foundation was established, we decided to help adults with Kanner syndrome. I have a son with a condition. He had to drop out before he even finished high school, which left us very worried about his future. We started building the Kanner estate six years ago to provide people with autism a familiar environment where they can grow up with their parents. Dozens of parents work together to build the complex. The front part is dedicated to social welfare operations, and that's where our members with autism get to work. In Mandarin, the word canner is represented with two characters that mean validation and acceptance. The foundation hopes more people will make donations to help out people with autism and allow them and their families to have a better future. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Tan Jun Hao in Taipei.